Hi, and welcome in to the NBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. Gary Stein along with UMBC head coach Ryan Odom. A little later in the show, we'll chat with John Feinstein, my broadcast partner, about all things NCAA basketball and the greatest sports stories from 2018. And we'll also meet one of the most athletic players on Ryan's squad. It's uh, forward slash center Daniel Lockin. But first up with Coach Odom. Welcome back yeah. in. How are you? Doing great. Good to great. see Happy you. Happy New, New, New Year to yeah. you too, right? Everything good with, the, with your New Year's Eve plans oh, and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good. I got to spend some time with the family, so it was good. Connor's back in town good. so it's been fun good I'm glad uh, let's talk a little bit about UMBC basketball eight and seven as we stand let's go back to the Penn State game for just a moment 74 52 up in University Park Pennsylvania uh, just talk a little bit about that game and what you were able to accomplish from that yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot, honestly. I mean, Penn State's a very good team. They are. Uh, they've had some some solid wins this year, and they ha had some really close losses against excellent competition. So, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough battle going in. Anytime you go into a Big Ten team's home, uh, it's not an easy easy situation to attack. They had a very good crowd, uh, you know, that that was there for them on on that particular day. And uh, I thought our guys started out the game very well. You know, it was twenty three to twenty three. Uh, I think Jose came off uh, off the bench. He gave us some good minutes yep. there and, and gave us a little spark. And uh, unfortunately, we did not finish that half, you know, the way we would have liked to have and ended up down 40 to 27. And it was kind of, you know, pretty much an even ball game from then on. And uh, but, you know, there were some things certainly defensively that, you know, I liked. There were some things offensively that I, I liked about about how we played. Um, you know, and, and I think there's always, you know, areas for growth and opportunities to learn. Mm -hmm. um, that last five minutes of the first half, I wouldn't say it's been a theme of the first 15 games yeah. of the year, but you, you could sort of see a little bit of a pattern. Is that is that a concern or have you addressed that with the yeah, team? No, at all? It's always a concern. You, you want to play your best basketball throughout a half. And certainly, you know, coaches will talk about how do you start the game? Right. Uh, the, right the first you, five minutes. Yeah. How right. do you finish the first half? Right. Uh, how do you begin the second half? Mm -hmm. And then obviously, and the the, yeah, you got to close it out at the end. So all those, all those, uh, you know, parts or points in the game are really, really important. And when you struggle to score like we have this season, you know, it becomes extremely important to stay within striking distance. Mm -hmm. And we haven't shown the ability to be, be have the spurts that we had necessarily last year. And you know, I think we'll get there. You know, the offense will will clearly improve. I like some of the shots that we're getting. They're just not going down. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, it was good the other day. We played pretty pretty well offensively and got, got some shots to go down. But in the Penn State game, they're a stingy defensive team. Uh, they really are. They force hard shots. They switch effectively. They fill the lane up so it's hard to get inside of their defense. And so I thought our guys did a pretty nice job of moving the ball and, and trying to search for shots. So that Penn State game was on the 29th of December. You guys had a fairly quick turnaround to the 31st of we December did. when Centenary came into town. But they had a really quick turnaround because they, they were playing three games in three days. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about that game and what you were able to accomplish there. Yeah, the mindset for our team right now is it's not about the opponent. You know, it's about us trying to improve and get better. You know, our goal for sure has always been to be playing our best basketball at the end of the season when it matters most. When the lights are on, you get in the playoffs right. and, and you got to play well to survive in advance or not. And, you know, we want to be well old, you know, a well old machine at that point. And, uh, you know, for us right now, it's we're a work in progress. We're still improving, though. I'm seeing it every day. Uh, we're watching lots of film. We're getting extra shots. And so I like the, the team's mood. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about your backcourt. You've kind of flip-flopped positions. RJ Idlerock, the freshman, is now at the point. KJ Jackson, the junior transfer, is on the off guard. Yeah. Why was that choice made and what's happened since then? Yeah, we wanted to try to get KJ out in transition mm -hmm. some or we could ball ahead to him. Uh, you know, we wanted to get him off the ball. He's a really good scorer and we wanted to get him off the ball. It doesn't mean he's not going to have it. You know, it's very similar to what Jairus had last, last year. year. If he rebounded yeah. it, he would go. And we're doing the same thing with KJ. You know, if he rebounds the ball, which he does, he's a good rebounder, then everybody else knows to kind of get ahead. He'll take it at that point in transition. Because that's when he's at his most dangerous. But in terms of set plays and things like that, you know, RJ's doing a, a nice job. He's a very safe player. Um, and Jose's doing a nice job coming off the bench as yep. well. Uh, in the front court, you get Dan Aachen back, and we'll speak with Dan in a couple of minutes. What does he give you that you ha didn't have before? Yeah, he gives you a physical presence, you know, around the rim. He gives you max energy on every play. Uh, he's becoming a more skilled player where you can throw it into the post to him and he can come up with baskets or he can make the right read and decision to get it back out. Uh, he's just a reliable, tough guy and, and an excellent defender. I mean, he really guards big guys and guards, you know, he can guard different players. Mm -hmm. you know, he's a very versatile defender. And so he means a lot to our team. I mean, he was a key to our, one of the keys to our success, you know, last year. And we missed that, you know, the first 12 games. And certainly his, his experience on the court, you know, is huge. He's got 11 offensive rebounds, by the way, in 88 minutes of action. Wow. Some pretty good uh, average. Yeah. Uh, before we leave the team and then kind of look at the America East Conference a little, Max Curran, uh, yeah. what's the situation with him right now? Yeah, we're just still kind of in a holding pattern to see if it's going to heal properly and, and test it out with some sort of soft cast to see if he can – you know, work his way back in there. We haven't determined are we going to do the surgery yet or right. not. And uh, we wanted to give it time to, to at least have a chance to heal a little bit to see if he could give it a go before going ahead and, and having the surgery. Right. If he has a surgery, not chances are he's probably out, out for the remainder of the season. So we didn't want to do that given how far along we are in the year already. Right. And uh, Max understands it is his left hand, so... You know, you never know what right. can happen. So basically, we're at about the halfway point. You guys are 8-7 and seven after non-conference yeah. play. You start conference play. Um, you know, I'm sure you tell them, hey, we're 0-0, we're zero and, zero, yeah. and and it's a new season. But what what's your message to the team right now? How do you parse through the first 15 games and tell them what's happened and where we go from here? Yeah, I mean, I, I showed them the other day, you know, I went through year one here at UMBC, year two here at UMBC, and then now year three. In the non-conference season, we were nine and four in the first year. We were nine and six in the right. second year. We we're eight and seven. So, in the grand scheme of things, it's not very much different. You know, right. the key for us now is what do we do as conference play begins? And so, you're right. Every team does start zero and zero. The year, year one did, year two did, and now year three is. And all the other teams are in the same boat. And so, it's a refreshing thing. We know it's a competitive uh, league that we're playing in. We've got some teams that are playing great basketball right now that we're going to have to deal with. And one of them is coming in here uh, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I think the guys are just excited about, you know, the opportunity to play against some familiar teams. Sure. Quick thought on Maine. We've got about 60 seconds left. Yeah. They are the team that you're talking about. They've had some close losses. They actually play Brown before yeah. they come into UMBC. Um, talk a little bit about what they bring. Yeah, Coach Barron is new coach there right. at, at Maine and obviously not unfamiliar with the – the, the territory there as he was the, the women's coach at Maine prior. And he's done a great job, you know, so far with their team. As I watch them, they play under control. 
Uh, they, they've got a clear focus, you know, on offense and defense of what they're trying to get accomplished. It's going to be a tough game. We had tough games with Maine last year and the year before as well. Uh, they've got a good amount of players back from last year's team. Uh, key guys that, that started, you know, good minutes. They've got the kid Easy back from... Right, Vincent Easy. Yeah, from year one now, who started every game that, that particular season, along with Fleming and then White. And then they've added some nice pieces there, you know, to go along with those guys. So you know, it'll be a fun game. You know, just as an aside, that's not the easiest place to recruit to. Yeah. Twelve of their 16 players are born on foreign soil. Yeah. So they've gone far and wide to find yeah. the roster that they yeah. need to. Serve. Makes sense. Absolutely. Okay, we'll take a timeout here. When we come back, John Feinstein will join us, my broadcast partner. We'll talk about all things America East, UMBC, and the sport of college basketball when the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Report continues right after this. Respect is hard work. Respect is dedication. Respect is earned on the court or on the field. Respect doesn't judge based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Respect is being the first conference to partner with the You Can Play Project. And the first conference in the LGBT Sports Safe Founders Club. Respect coaches, players, and the game. Respect similarities. Respect differences. Spread respect. Spread respect. Spread respect. And welcome back to the UMBC Ryan Odom Basketball Report. Gary Stein along with UMBC head coach Ryan Odom. Now joined on the phone by my broadcast partner and New York Times bestselling author, John Feinstein. Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year to all of you. I'm just fine and looking forward, as I'm sure you and Ryan are, to getting into conference play on Saturday. We absolutely are. Before we do that, though, how was the, uh, the Feinstein clan uh, uh, New Year's Eve celebration? Well, it was actually, it actually worked out very well, Ryan. I, I, you probably did, weren't paying attention uh, when Gary and I were talking on air about our New Year's celebration. We went to Congressional where they, they it, it's a special New Year's Eve dinner for families with younger kids. Oh, nice. And they dropped the ball, quote unquote, at 9 o'clock. There you go. Which is supposed to be for the kids, but was ideal for me. Perfect, yeah. And instead of playing Old Lang Syne, they played YMCA by the Village People. Isn't <laughs> it amazing perfect. the older you get, you know, you don't ever make it to 12 o'clock? No. I gave up years ago. I know. I, I, and I, you know, I, when I was in college, I, I did the Times Square thing once, and my only memory of it is how desperately I needed to pee. <laughs> once, once, once New Year's finally came. That was yeah. the first thing I did in the new year. Yeah. And, and and it's really hard to get to those porta potties, John. Absolutely. Oh, God. Well, back then, they didn't even have, have them. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I, I actually. Invented. Right. Hey, I actually didn't do too bad. I made it all the way to like 1140 this year. Next thing I knew, my wife wakes me up. It's 130. And and I said, how come you didn't wake me up for the ball? She said, I tried. You just didn't get up. Yeah, probably not worth the effort. Hey, speaking of the year in general, 2018, now we have a chance. Let's just look back for a minute at the greatest sports stories from 2018, John. Uh, In your opinion, maybe top one or two. And where does the UMBC victory over Virginia rank in there? Well, it was right up there for me, uh, probably for Ryan, too, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, as we've discussed before, I still remember sending Ryan a text the morning after that game uh, you know, saying I had this incredible dream last night that you guys beat Virginia by 20. <laughs> uh, and apparently I wasn't the only person who had that dream. No. I, I'll, I'll say this, though, that the ending, if we're going to stick to UMBC for a second, the ending of the game at Vermont, the championship game at Vermont, 
was really far more dramatic sure. as a basketball game. Uh, I think you guys were down eight, Ryan, in the second half. Yeah, it might have been nine. Uh, yeah. Came back. Jarris hits the shot. First win in 23 attempts, I think, or 24 attempts against Vermont to get back to the NCAAs. Uh, that was an incredible story, regardless of what happened in the Virginia game. But yeah. then to do uh, what the guys did against Virginia um, was one of the one of the most memorable basketball games I've ever watched. Yeah. Uh, and and you know reminded me of some I I actually was was in the building the first time a 15 beat a 2 in 1991 at Cole Fieldhouse when Richmond beat Syracuse right and I had written a column prior to that game in the uh, long long now long dead National Sports Daily hmm. saying that Dick Tarrant the Richmond coach was the second best bench coach in the tournament behind only Bob Knight uh, and that Payheim was one of the worst bench coaches in the tournament. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and Jim walked over to me in the press conference after that game. It was one of those late starts like your start, Ryan. And he says, you know what really makes me mad about losing this game? Is now some people are going to think you know something about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. other, other moments in sports, boy, I'd have to think about it for a minute. The Eagles uh, beating yeah. Patriots no, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Was certainly dramatic, and and especially since the Eagles had never uh, won a Super Bowl. Very little drama at the Final Four. Villanova was clear cut the best team. Uh, Europe crushing the United States in the Ryder Cup. Certainly memorable. Maybe not a happy memory if you're an American golf fan. Um, Notre Dame Serena women's Williams basketball. There you go. Final. Yeah. Um, certainly memorable. Um, Tiger Woods comeback. Um, was was a was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so all those all those things uh, come to mind. And and I thought, by the way, that Sports Illustrated choosing the Warriors as the Sportsman of the Year. I guess they now call it Sports Person of the Year. Right. Was a great choice because the Warriors stood for so much more than just being a winning basketball team. Mm. John, what kind of college basketball season have we had so far in your in your opinion? It's a great question. It's hard to say uh, much uh, before you get into conference play. Right. Of course, Duke was awarded the national championship after it beat Kentucky on <laughs> uh, uh, that opening night game, what, by 34 or something like that. Um, there were guys on television who allegedly knew something about basketball saying they could beat the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody forgot to tell Gonzaga about that, apparently. Um but I think what, what we know is that this season, what I believe we know, is that this season is like most others in the last 10 years, 20 years maybe even, that there's no dominant team. There are some very good teams. Duke's a very good team. Uh, Gonzaga's a very good team. Kansas is a very good team. I think Tennessee is a very good team. They're, they're, and, and they and Gonzaga are very experienced teams. And I still like those more experienced teams. If you look back in the one-and-done era for all the publicity that these freshmen get, most of it from TV people, uh, the teams that end up winning national championships are usually teams that are built around upperclassmen. Villanova last year built around upperclassmen. North Carolina the year before, same thing. Villanova in 2016. Now, Duke in 2015 did have three important one-and-dones. But they don't win that national championship without their three seniors, Quinn Cook, Emile Jefferson, and Marshall Plumlee. Uh, so, uh, again, if you're looking toward March, 
I still look at the more experienced teams as being the ones that are the that are most likely to cut down a net in April. I would add Virginia to that, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, yes, and I meant to add Virginia. Yeah. And that, that maybe that was a Freudian slip. I, I saw Virginia play a very good VCU team in person a few weeks ago in a snowstorm in Charlottesville. I don't know why I, I made the drive. I'm an idiot. Um, but well. I'm very impressed with their team. And they've got a little point guard out of Oakland, uh, California, who reminds me, Ryan, just a little bit of K.J. Mora. Yeah. Uh, he, he's an absolute pest on the ball. He's very heady. Uh, he gets them into their offense. And, you know, he's not forcing shots. I think he's an addition uh, to that team that I think might – and, again, with probably with the motivation of remembering what happened to them last year, I think they're a real threat. They're, again, yeah. a veteran team mostly in I, March and April. I got a little-known fact about that young man. I, I can't remember his name. Is it Clark? Is that his last name? Yes, Clark. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he played – yeah, he played in AAU for the o Oakland Soldiers with none other than Jack Schweitz. Wow. Yeah. And so James Akinjo, the point guard at Georgetown right now. That's right. That's right. That was kind and of their backcourt, those three guys. In Oakland looking at Akinjo and saw, you know, it was one of those deals. He goes to look at one player yeah. and comes away in love with another. Yeah. Hmm. Really good player. They, they actually won the Peach Jam that year. But Jack Schweitz is a champion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Jack Schweitz showed us some, some serious game on uh, Monday, didn't he? He did. He played well. Yeah, he really played did. Very well. I didn't realize he he could he could play that effectively on the perimeter uh, because I I just hadn't seen him for that many yeah. minutes until Monday. Yeah. You know, Coach, John and I were making a comment during that broadcast. It's interesting to see most of the times when you envision two brothers playing college basketball, they're usually of the same build, the same yeah. type of player. It's interesting to watch the two different Schweitzes yeah, and how different. different they are. Yeah, they really are. I mean, Jack certainly is, is more of a guard, and Sam's, you know, kind of the bruising, you know, forward inside. And, and, you know, you need both to win games. You know, that's the cool thing. That's why it's neat for both of them to be able to play here you know, together. It's a unique experience. Yeah. Not everybody gets that one. Yeah. A little different than those twins you faced against Hood, right? You yeah. Tell apart. <laughs> those still, little guys were good, too, yeah. man. <laughs> Evan and Mason, I believe. <laughs> I love those little kids. Yeah. Hey, hey, John, let's let's move over to the America East real quick. And we, we kind of touched on it during the centenary broadcast. But just give us your overall thoughts of the conference. That You know, it's not as highly ranked as they were last year. But they do have some, a lot of the teams do have some impressive wins so far this season. Yeah, no, no question, and, and uh, probably not as highly ranked because Vermont was so highly ranked throughout uh, the regular season last year because they were so good. Um, but uh, Stony Brook, as you mentioned during the broadcast, has certainly had a bunch of impressive wins. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Ryan. I was I was stunned uh, by Hartford's win. Yeah. Um, the it was other at Boston night. College. Yep. Yeah, yeah I mean, what a great uh, win, you know, for Gal. Um, and and we knew going into the season that Hartford should be good because they were so improved last year and they had most of their players back, but they've been a little disappointing, but it, it looks like they're coming around at just the right time uh, for conference play. I'm sure you're delighted to have to go up there next week, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, 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 I think Lowell, I don't know what you coaches were thinking, picking them ninth. I didn't I, pick I them mean, ninth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I must have missed something because I think they're pretty good. Logan, that's all we can handle last year. Um, and and I, I think it's it's going to be I think it's going to be one of those deals where it's very possible that at season's end, nobody.
nobody will have fewer than four losses and nobody will have fewer than four wins. Yeah, it could be one of those years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely evened a little bit, you know, from from that perspective. But, you know, Vermont, you know, still going to go through Vermont at this point. You know, they, they've played extremely well. They've got, you know, a go-to scorer inside. Stony Brook's had some great wins. Hartford, you know, Hartford, I think they're a little bit like us last season. You know, they have an experienced group. You know, we went through, you know, some injuries and stuff like that early in the season last year. And, had some tough losses, and I think they're kind of in a similar situation, but they're rounding into form now. They're, they're going to be a tough out for anybody, whether it's home or away. They, and last year, if you remember, they won a ton of games on the road mm-hmm. in conference. Yeah, they did. That, and, they might have had the best road record in the league other than Vermont. Yeah, and, and that's how you, you, you find a way to, to kind of be in the mix, you know, at the end for a regular season championship. you got to be able to win on the road. And so they've certainly shown that. I've been impressed with Lowell and, and the wins that they've had. I've, I've seen that they've been down at the end of games and come back and won. They've been well out in front and held the lead. And, uh, you know, I think Albany played it at Kent, a great Kent State team the other day, and it was tight. I think it was a two-point game, you know, there to, to finish it out. So, you know, a and lot Albany's of, always a tough out. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what, they're going to pound you physically. And, yeah. Um, Yeah, Binghamton was down four or five or something like that at Michigan, you know, at halftime. So I think I think we're in for a great America East year. I, I think we could all agree. John, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you uh, Saturday afternoon. I'll, uh, I'll be there uh, before noon, and I am hoping Ryan will return my call on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. <laughs> he was tied up legitimately last Sunday because he had kid duty. So I, gotcha. gave, I gave him a pass on that. There we go. John, thank you so much, my man. All right, see you Saturday. Speak, speak, speak to you Saturday. Thanks. That is John Feinstein, our broadca- my broadcast partner on the uh, ESPN broadcast for UMBC basketball. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, we'll meet junior, no, is he? Sophomore. 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 Forward, Dan Ockett will join us when the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Report continues right after this. And welcome back to the show. Gary Stein along with UMBC head men's coach Ryan Odom. And now joined by number 30 sophomore forward uh, slash center Dan Aachen from London, England. Welcome in. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you Nice doing? to see you. Thank you. Happy New Year to Happy you. Happy New Year. Um, John Feinstein and I have talked a lot about you on the broadcast, even though you have, you've only played about four games this year so yeah. far. You missed the first 11 games. But your story is really an interesting story. And I just, you know, w- if we could take a minute, yeah. uh, you're from London, England, but yeah. tell us you've only been playing basketball for about four years now um what's your basketball journey been like so far uh it's just been like super speed basically hmm. so like started when i was 16 and then uh i decided to take it more seriously at the age of 16 and then i just met different coaches and i met lloyd uh who's great friends with ryan odom right now and then that's basically how it started and got in contact with ryan odom 
now we're here. So what are you, 20 years old now? Yeah, I'm 20. Okay, so right, so he's been playing for four yeah. years. So how, how, did you, how did you find him? Yeah, I'd actually been over uh, to Barking Abbey to London recruiting in previous years prior to Dan arriving at, at Barking Abbey, and he chose to go to a prep school. He, mm -hmm. Like I told you, he wanted to get more serious about the game. And, you know, they have like a boarding school kind of situation and, you know, they, they play there and, and go, to, go to school there and it's a great school. Uh, you know, they play against really good competition. Uh, it's the best kind of competition league in, in England. It's just outside of, of, you know, city center London or whatever right. you want to call it. Uh, you take the tube right out there mm -hmm. and, and, and head out and, and watch them. But uh, you know, I got a chance to go out there and, and, and see a couple of kids in years past when I was coaching elsewhere. And then when I got the job here, called about, you know, any potential candidates for, for guys that we should try to recruit. Lloyd said, yeah, I got a guy for you that kind of fits that. And, you know, went over there to see him and got a chance to meet Dan and, you know, watch him play, you know, with the other players. And ironically, RJ was there at the same time. Right, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. so I got a chance to see him uh, as well. And, and uh, you know, the more I began to talk to Dan and, you know, his family, I began to realize, like, it's more than just basketball with him. Like, he's a great guy. Uh, you know, he's committed academically to doing really well. Uh, but he wants to be really good in basketball, too. And he's got a bright, bright future. Mm -hmm. uh, made, and it didn't come easy for him when he first got here. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to, um, you know, do a ton of summer school like most kids. And, uh, you know, he did the first, he did the second session, right, of yep. summer school. Mm -hmm. And so he got a chance to kind of get his feet wet with the guys, you know, for a few months. And, uh, and then, you know, school started, and, and like I said, it didn't come easy. It wasn't like he was inserted into the starting lineup no, right. right away. Uh, he had to earn it, and, you know, by and large, he for sure did. And once he grabbed that position, he kind of hasn't looked back since right. then. And, and, you know, unfortunately for him, he, he was dealt an injury when he went home to play for this, you know, for his national team. And, uh, you know, that was a hard, some hard luck there. But he's recovered greatly from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's playing really good ball right now. So take me back to when you were 16 years old and you yeah. started to take basketball a little bit more seriously. It's not like you were an athletic. You were, you were a very good athlete. You were a high jumper, a handball player. You're champion, right? Yeah. I mean, tell us about all the athletic ex or exploits before basketball. Did you set any records? Um, yeah, for my age group, yeah. So, uh, Definitely, obviously, growing up in England, so you have to play football or soccer. Right. So that was the start. And then transitions to handball. That was a bit of fun. And then to track and field, which was like, uh, I did high jump. And I had like the, the record age group was on 15s. And then... What was it? What, did you, what was your... Uh, it was like two, yeah. 203. That's a meters. I don't know. Yeah. The I, I can't do that. <laughs> Joe, where's Joe? <laughs> All right. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, I, I, decided, I don't know why, but I got bored of doing it. Mm. So obviously I was like six, six, seven. So I was like, let me just take basketball a bit more seriously and see where we can go. And then you grew. Yeah. <laughs> right. So wait. So you started playing basketball and you were six foot six yeah. about at that time. Yeah. So you were a six foot six long jumper. That's. I mean, that's a little unusual, isn't it? Or no? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Most guys were like barely six two, six one. Right. Okay. So, yeah. 
So obviously I had to work on my flexibility. That was hard. Right. So, and I want to talk about handball real quick. Are we talking about the handball that we play in this country where it's like you, you, you use your hand to smack the ball against the wall? No. No, it's no. a different handball. Yeah, it's, like a okay. it's a mixture of basketball and soccer. Okay. Where like you have the ball and you like throw it around like the, the court. You're not allowed to walk with the ball. You have to like throw it to someone else and like get them open and throw it into a soccer goal. goal. Right, yeah. exactly. I've seen right. I've seen that on TV. Yeah. That's actually a fascinating sport. Um, and so you like basketball right away, or what did you think of basketball? Uh, initially, no, because because I had like the mindset from doing track and field, like an individual mindset. So the team mindset was kind of like hard to get used to, like playing for the team and everything. And also, I don't like like doing like suicides as well. <laughs> of course not. So he did something bad. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's that's mainly why I delayed basketball so much. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he's been quite an addition, and I oh, yeah. wanted to go back to your comment about he didn't start right away. He had to yeah. earn it. But once he earned it, and you inserted him, Dan, into the starting lineup, was about when the America East Conference season started sure. last year. He ended up being all rookie in the conference. That was quite an insertion on your part, I must say. Yeah, and he earned it. I mean, it was clear in practice, you know, at that point that what he could provide our team uh, with. And, you know, certainly... You have to put the pieces together. They have to fit, you know, really well. You know, everybody doesn't do the exact same thing. Each each player has a role, and Dan understood his role. All right, he played hard. He rebounded. He defended. You know, a lot of times, the other other team's best interior player. Mm -hmm. He knew his job was to free up, you know, our guards and, and be ready to catch and finish. You know, when they chose to to give it to him at times and. You know, that's what great players do. You know, they understand how to champion their individual role for the good of the team. And that's what he did. And now he's going to be rewarded for that, you know, going forward. His role will increase, you know. Every year that goes by, you know, Dan's going to improve, you know, his skill level. He already has. You know, I think we've seen it in the short, you know, amount of games that he's played this year, his ability to score on the block. You know, I noticed that at the end of last year, mm -hmm. after the season ended, we were working, you know, a lot in doing individuals, and, you, and we were playing a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, and you could tell he was developing, you know, his go-to moves inside, and he's always been a physical guy, and, uh, you know, a guy that's not afraid of contact. And you got to have that if you want if you want to play in the post. Right. So, were you following college basketball when you were up American college basketball when you were in England? Um, not really, because like the showing of it is like really brief. They only show like the top twenty-five teams. Right. So, like, like outside of mid major, not, not really. No. So, so this is gonna. This may sound like a silly question, but when you were you fully aware of the mo monumental achievement that UMBC was able to do last year against Virginia, coming into <laughs> that tournament? I mean, once after my teammates had told me what happened after the game, yeah. <laughs> after the game. After the game, yeah. Because obviously, I didn't, I didn't really like understand the whole season thing. So the one season, sixteen season. Right. And I was, you didn't I, understand that. Yeah. Okay. And I was like totally surprised that I know a sixteen season never being a one seed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's one of the reasons it's we won. Probably. You know, yeah, just blind, go and play. Like, right. Right. Exactly. Just another game. Exactly. You know, honestly, that's what you want to do. You right. want it to be to like just another game. Right. It's like we, we're supposed to win. Right. Yeah. So there's another player, RJ Idlerock. You actually referred to him a minute ago, who I guess played in the same school that you did. Yeah. So you guys were teammates. You guys knew, knew each other. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. So when you went to see Dan, did you know about RJ? Oh or, yeah. You, okay. Yeah, I so you would RJ see him both. as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then RJ, we didn't have you know, scholarships at that point. 
And so we wanted to make sure, you know, that, you know, he was set. And he ended up coming over here and going to uh, prep school for a year. And then decided, you know, once he came and visited, decided that UMBC was a good option for him as well. Obviously, right. he knew Dan at that point. And uh, we needed a, a guard, you know, for our team as well. And RJ, you know, he, he had an injury as well in, in last year while he was at Petty School and messed up his knee and, you know, gained a lot of weight, didn't he? I mean, he didn't look like the same guy when you first <laughs> saw him, did he? Yeah, and then he's lost it now. Mm -hmm. and now he's finally gotten to the point where mm -hmm. he's back to, you know, kind of what his playing weight was in high school, which has been good to, good to see. But mm -hmm. tell me a funny story about RJ. Anything that you, you want to add a about RJ? A funny story about RJ. Um, Anything funny? Put him on the spot. Yeah. Nothing? Uh, Who's the funniest guy on the team? Funniest guy on the team? I feel like Brandon thinks he is, <laughs> but I think like naturally funny, maybe Nolan, because he Nolan. just he, he would say Nolan something. Nolan is definitely yeah. funny. I know it would be uh, pretty funny. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. How many hairstyles has Nolan gone through over the last couple of years? <laughs> like the short time, amount of time I've been here, it's been a few. Yeah. 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 Right. He absolutely. He's dying it. Different Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, um, was going to ask you um, as far as basketball is concerned in this country. Yeah. Right. You started playing basketball in England. Okay. Uh, is there a big difference between European style basketball and American style basketball? Uh, I would say the pace is different. Mm -hmm. So like out here, it's like uh, a lot faster, and uh, obviously here the physicality is a lot like uh, like it's more physical here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's probably about right. it, yeah. So is there any worry on your part when you go to England or wherever you may go to recruit, is there any worry on your part that the styles are different, that they may not? Uh, not really. No. I mean, I, we have a global game now. Right. Uh, you know, the three-point shot is really important. Right. Here, it's important in high school, it's important in middle school, it's important overseas. And so I think, I think because of that, you know, kids grow up at a younger age playing our game. And it's refreshing to see the players are getting better and better. You, just, you look no further than, you know, the rookie, you know, perceived rookie of the year. Oh, absolutely. Luka Doncic. Right. I mean, that guy's ridiculous. And, right. Uh, you know, I think it is a global game and one that, you know, we'll continue to see, mm -hmm. you know, get even better mm -hmm. because of, you know, the foreign invasion of foreign talent, you mm -hmm. know, here in the States. And, uh, you know, Dan's a great example of that. Final question. Uh, can you compare or how does America compared to England? Are they comparable? What's different about the well, two? Well, you know, they, he eats lots of vegetables. And so, okay. you know, <laughs> I've never seen a guy that looks not, like this that never not eats one a vegetable. vegetable. Won't eat one. And you didn't eat vegetables in England? No, my, do, my. Do they, do they have vegetables in England? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right? My, my theory is if it's anything green, I can't eat it. <laughs> so what do you eat? Um, just anything that isn't green. Anything that isn't green. Yeah. Okay, like pasta. Yeah, a yeah pasta. meat. Yeah. Yeah. Right, stuff, okay. Yeah. yeah. His favorite I, place is Nando's. Nando's. Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mac, mac, mac and cheese? I'm not a fan of mac and oh, cheese. Oh, not really, a fan no. of mac and cheese. Okay, interesting. What's the worst food? What's the worst American food? The worst American food? Yeah, that you would say, I'm not eating that. That's not green. <laughs> that's not green. Yeah, that's right, because you know that's I mean, not obviously that. green. Right. Um, me, personally, mac and cheese would be one. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Or like... Like a Philly cheesesteak, I'm not really fan of that either. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, like, do I see a cheese co connection here, or? It could be, yeah. Could okay. Be. So you don't want to go to Philly and eat a Philly cheesesteak. So if you play <laughs> pen at the Palestra, you're not going for a Philly cheesesteak before the game. No. No. Okay. So did you not eat the one we got you at St. Joe's? 
Uh, no, I don't think I did, no. <laughs> okay, interesting. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure watching you play. Thank you, appreciate that. Thank, thank you so much. Coach, great yeah. job as always. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Good job, Dan. Yep. That'll do it. Uh, that is it for the UMBC Ryan Odom Coaches Report. Gary Stein, Ryan Odom, Dan Aachen. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks so much for watching.